Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And we are so excited to be back again. And again. <laughs> Truly, 2022, we approached it respectfully. Uh, it was not so respectful with us. I know. Jesse. what the heck happened? We had, like, so many plans, and here we are, like, three weeks <laughs> into January. <laughs> I made it two days into 2022 before I got COVID. And into a, to a baby car accident. Oh, I made it two hours into 2022 <laughs> before I got in a minor car accident. It was all fine. My car's fine. We're fine. But uh, what a time. <laughs> yeah. But either way, we're super excited to be back. Woohoo. So welcome to 2022, friends. We're so excited to be back. I know we've kind of over the last couple months been like, we're back. And then <laughs> kind of go, kind of ghost you guys just a little bit. We, I don't know. We're, we're trying to figure life out. We've finally checked off all of the things that have been keeping us busy these past couple months. We both have normal jobs. We've both gotten COVID. Uh, we both moved. Yeah, exactly. So now that we got the drama out of the way, we're back. <laughs> and we're, we're feeling pretty good. I mean, we're currently planning some new video content for the new year. That's kind of like we had a big opera offstage meeting a couple weeks ago where we were like really deep diving into what we want to do what we want to create for you guys and we're pretty excited about diving into video content so will we start filming our episodes i don't know you'll just have to wait and see you're gonna find out along with us (laughs) and there's really though no better way to kick off this year than with this episode because this is something uh we've been working up to for almost i guess a year now Mm mm-hmm Wow, yeah. So without further ado, let's hop in. And we are so excited to have with us here today Miriam Gordon-Stewart, Tracy Cox, and Matt Bowler from the production of Fat Pig to answer some questions for us. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hey. So let's take a quick second and introduce each of you individually to our audience. Tell us a quick little bit about your career, yourself, and maybe some career highlights. Okay, my name is Miriam Gordon-Stewart. I am a soprano and also the artistic director of Victory Hall Opera. This is my first opera libretto that we're going to be talking about today in this project Fat Pig by Matt Bowler, starring Tracy Cox. And I will also be directing this world premiere of, of the opera. Yeah, I sang all over the world for 20 five years, I guess, until deciding that the the main industry was not necessarily for me anymore and that I wanted to start something with a, a troupe, with a group of performers uh, that would come together over and over again to question everything about opera presentation and try to create the future of the art form. So that's what I've been doing for the last six years here in Charlottesville, Virginia. That's awesome. So cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Actually, you know, our audience will probably recognize you because we did a Instagram live with Miriam. Um, Oh my gosh, it's probably been, I don't even know how long it's been. Like COVID brain and COVID time just is another world, but it's been many months, but we're super excited to have you back on. And then another familiar face is Tracy Cox. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be back to chat with y'all. I had such a good time last time, uh, really digging into all kinds of good stuff. Well, I am a soprano and a fat activist. And so I sing all kinds of stuff. Kind of the majority of my work the last few years has been as an understudy a cover at the Met. And uh, I've been kind of having these dual careers almost with uh, fat activism and singing. And this is 
truly the first project that is bringing them together. I didn't even know that that was going to be possible in this industry. And so uh, Fat Pig and Victory Hall Opera has created a brand new pathway for me that I couldn't be more excited about. That's awesome. And last but certainly not least, we have a new face, Matt Bowler. Hi there, uh, I'm Matt Bowler. I am uh, of the team that's represented the non-soprano in the group. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm a bass and uh, have <laughs> originally from Minnesota. I live in San Francisco now and also a composer. And you asked uh, the proudest accomplishments and certainly being asked to write this opera and collaborating on this has been one of my proudest accomplishments accomplishments certainly to date and certainly the longest thing I've ever written <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh it's a pleasure to be here yeah thank you that's awesome well thank you everybody that's amazing we're so happy to have you guys all on awesome so can we actually give our audience kind of a short summary of the story of Fat Pig so they understand exactly what this opera is covering and what's so innovative and new about it for our industry Sure. So essentially, in this piece, it starts out as a, as a love story. It is a love story and has elements almost of the kind of true romantic comedy as we as we begin. Uh, there's a normative, there's a there's a man and a normative body, handsome normative guy. And there's a woman, my character, Helen, who is a fat woman. And they have a very charming meet and um, fall in love. And the thing that happens is there starts to be pressure from the man co-workers, Tom's co-workers, and uh, his his kind of ex-girlfriend, who are kind of appalled that he is with a fat woman, and begin to put pressure on him and push back against him being with her. And uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, eventually he can't actually deal with the anti-fat bias that is coming up and uh, they it ends up not working out. And uh, so you're kind of left with something that is hard to deal with as an audience there is a not a, a, re- a happy little bow and resolution gotcha that's a good summary you know this is a a unique story for for opera so what was the impetus to bring you know this type of story to the stage and you know how was the idea born how was matt involved um and how was the collaborative process of you know taking an existing play writing a libretto and putting it to music and now bringing it to the stage. At Victory Hall Opera, we had actually commissioned Matt to write for us before. Um, he's a member of our, I mentioned before that we have a troupe of singers and Matt is one of our troupe. Part of our mission is to sort of provide opportunities for our troupe to explore or to develop other sides of themselves as well as develop themselves as singers. And so it was a natural choice for us to commission Matt. He wrote a song cycle for us a few years ago called Marginalia, which was a huge success here in town. And then we thought, well, let's let's do an extended work with Matt. We wanted to create a chamber orchestra, a chamber opera. So something that was going to be really easy for companies like ours, our size, our kind of level of funding to, to produce, as well as bigger houses if they wanted to. So we wanted a, a sort of a, a small cast and something that was going to translate well into our style of work, which is kind of this theater-based alternative venues style of work. Um, and we had a short list of about four or five plays. We, we really wanted to convert a play to an opera, which is surprisingly not done that often, you know, and is, and is a really good idea because then there's an inherent 
structure, dramatic structure already in the work, which means, you know, that's sort of a really good starting place for, for, for a librettist to, to adapt. Fat Pig was on our list and we, re- we were really interested in turning Fat Pig into an opera because of the fact that it involved a fat character and told a fat story, which is, again, plays a lot, a big role in our mission, which is allowing performers who work with us to bring their whole selves to the stage. Um, we weren't aware of any characters that had ever been written before for a fat woman as the, as the lead, as the romantic lead in this case. And we thought, well, here's, here's a really good chance for, for so many, not just for Tracy, but for so many women in our industry, you know, to, to be able to play a role that is about who they are and about what they look like and not um, to have to squeeze into some idea of a different body type or, or, the, or the idea that all women are the same. And, you know, Matt, Matt came on board at the very start of that, of that discussion about, about setting Fat Pig. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he can tell you himself, but, Matt, you had a few reservations about, about, writing this, <laughs> about writing this material right at the start that we had to kind of, like, talk through, right? Oh, absolutely. But I think you have to talk through any collaboration. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it was a, a I do not identify as fat. But I, I had some reservations about the story just because um, it took me a while to actually see what the core of the story was for me, which, as Tracy said, it's essentially a love story, actually. And once it once that was unlocked for me, I was able to, like, see through the reason why there was so much cruelty and, and just meanness in the script. And I think one of the great things that... Uh, Miriam has done as well as you know in consultation with Tracy is actually giving a newer perspective to us especially the female characters in this show and perhaps you two have something to say about that I would love to hear a little bit more from Matt for sure yeah so the play Neil LeBute's play Fat Pig when it was released and ongoingly is a controversial play um, it's written very much from a male perspective he's a male writer and it's and it's written sort of with a lot of caricatures specifically you know in this kind of absurdist style that involves these horrific caricature figures tracy's character of helen is not one of those um but you know it is it is a, a play that portrays misogyny in no uncertain terms which is to me in itself a feminist gesture to actually bring that kind of behavior to light in the first place. But not everybody agrees with me about that. In converting the libretto, however, I, you know, there's no reason to convert a play to a libretto unless it's going to in some way incorporate the perspective of the librettist. And as a woman, as a feminist, as a lesbian, I really felt that the female characters in the play deserved some more backstory, a little more context for their behavior, even if it was horrific behavior. So I've written some more material for them that, that kind of takes that a little bit uh, still within caricature, I guess, but take, gives it a little more context and perspective so that we're not just left uh, only only knowing the male perspective about these characters. That's great. That's amazing. That's really fascinating because I've, I've never really talked to somebody who was translating a, an already written work into a libretto. And so the idea of expanding and taking, I'm not sure when the play was written, but like taking it and adding these layers of perspective as the librettist, as the composer, as the performer. It's how great works are built. Yeah, yeah. Layers and layers of perspective. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So... What really was the, you know, once you have this libretto and you've written the score, like what is, 
the process like from there? Does the libretto continue to change after you start to work with performers? Are you in constant consultation with performers? Like, how does it move from just working together to working with performers and to the stage? How much changes between each step of that process? We had a workshop, and at that point, I had written probably about uh, the last half of the show and some and some other bits and bobs, uh, some of the some other arias. And after that, it's uh, pro- you know we went through the score and uh, found out what works, what doesn't work, which is you know what. Finding out what doesn't work is infinitely more valuable than finding out what does work, right? And after that, it's always an open door to have the performance. Is this something not working for you vocally? Please tell me. As a matter of fact, I, Tracy, we've I remember after the workshop, we went, to, we had in a Zoom call and just like, okay, let's go through this line by line. What what works? What doesn't? I found that actually when I was premiering a work several years ago by Bill Volcom and the soprano in that show had a line that she it was during rehearsal and something wasn't working. And he goes, oh, well, let's just rewrite it. And he just rewrote it on the spot. And I think that if you have performers, uh, you want to, you know, you want to write something that is true to what your, you know, your vision and concept is, but isn't like a straight jacket, right? Because essentially, as a composer, what you're doing is giving line readings. So they, you want them to be the best line reading possibles that aren't like straight jackets, but also that aren't so nebulous that they could be anything. <laughs> That's uh, certainly throughout the process. Uh, Miriam and I, uh, Google Docs is a wonderful thing for getting different things done. Absolutely, things have uh, changed multiple times, and I'm sure that even after this, for you know, we'll be doing change a few changes during the process. And even afterwards, it's going to be valuable to find out, okay, now that the whole thing has been done and it's on its feet, what worked for us, what didn't. So it, I think it's constantly evolving. And yeah, having the performers, uh, you can't not have the performers involved. I, I can't imagine really working another way than saying, no, you do this and thank you for doing it. I mean, having been on the other side of it for so long, it seems impossible to me to imagine not wanting your... Uh, the other half of your creative team to like, you know, give you input and, you know. Yeah. And let me say also that, that, you know, Matt, you really taught that to me during this process because I've had experiences before where I was, you know, premiering a song cycle or something like that, but never where I felt like it mattered (laughs) uh, how I felt about singing a line. And Matt has been so gracious uh, and and how you put that, you know, not wanting it to feel like a straitjacket. And and uh, there have been so many moments where we discussed something, and uh, you came up with something else that felt like a like a true, just a, another version of that same thing that you had originally thought musically. But it felt much more comfortable and put me at ease. And um, so that, that's just been an amazing and affirming kind of process as a singer for me. Thanks, Tracy. Actually, I think that's really important because you all as actors, singers in this show have so much on your plate to do and so much to accomplish and so much to live in. And that's the I mean, that's the point of any of it is just to be able to give you enough space. You know, as singers, hi, we have a certain amount of RAM space uh, to because we're constantly multitasking things. And if one of the things that you're thinking about is like the difficulty of the music or how to negotiate a really awful vocal line, which you which you can do, and we do have to do, of course, throughout the course of a show every now and then. But if that's taking up all of your space, then um, you don't have any room to be in the moment. And I, this is a show where you need to, every show you need to be in the moment, but this is a, 
intense uh intense acting show which requires on uh being connected to your partners on stage and in the pit so that's awesome well you know vho you guys are champions of of reimagining classics of you know bringing modern twists and really bringing out the important elements in past classic productions and then also you know champions of bringing new works to the stage so can you talk a little bit about how maybe this production is its own has been its own journey compared to kind of other more modernized or other world premieres that you guys have done in the past yeah i would say that you know this is there's no hiding it, right? When you do a world premiere that you commissioned yourself and, and when one of the co-founders is involved in writing it and, you know, we've, we've cast it, we've marketed it, there's no hiding the fact that this is what we believe art can be, right? This is not just us kind of interpreting something that thousands of people have interpreted before. This is, this is really a different thing of saying, of saying like, okay, we've been giving you an idea or maybe over the past six years of, of what we think about the power of opera, but, you know, here, here is here is an example that is purely our creation um, and our in, in collaboration with these amazing people who we've brought together and who we believe in. So it's like, it's another layer of just standing behind your ethos, <laughs> standing behind your mission. And it's, and it's a controversial play that we have selected with a controversial title. So in some ways, that's, that's a really interesting feeling. It's not, it's definitely not a comfortable feeling sending out postcards that have fat pig written on them. You know, it's really not. But at the same time, we, we, we can't hide um, in our industry behind comfort. We can't hide behind things that make people feel good and feel happy and even, you know, feel, em feel empowered necessarily. We have, to, we have to, I believe, see our art form as a way of telling human stories all of them in different in different and new ways and this is one that hadn't been told you know this hasn't been told and this is a this is it, it's it feels i mean i'm going to hand over to tracy to talk about this but it it she has she has said that it feels like a true story to her these are things that are said to her on a daily basis you know these these kinds of slurs that we hear in the show and the terrible language we hear in the show exists in the world and i think turning a blind eye to that is not serving us and is not serving the people in the stories um so yeah it's a it's a it's a new platform for us to do that and you know it's certainly not the only thing that victory hall opera wants to do <laughs> in its in its future but it's a really important step for us yeah it's really different it feels very different yeah and and if i can jump in even even if we just break this down to like you said the title and sending out those mailers that have have those words scrawled across it. You know, having having been having experienced uh, this industry as a fat person and having dealt with a lot of polite discrimination, it's it's kind of amazing how upset people get when you actually use language like fat pig, right? And to me, Polite discrimination is the thing that keeps me from being on stage, is the thing that actually gatekeeps me. When there's this postcard with my like semi-nude body like across it with the word fat pig, it is an empowering thing to me. It's like, well, let's actually look at this human being. And that's kind of the crux of this piece and why I love this piece so much, because you get Helen is 
really the most likable character in the show. And we get to really connect with her as a human. And so you begin to connect with this fat character in a completely new way when she is treated with cruelty and when she's driven to make choices that are really hard. And that is a brand new thing. Connecting with a fat character with empathy and compassion and even a protective feeling is a brand new thing. We should be really proud because that's going to, there's no way that that won't open doors to other things for fat people, fat art, fat talent, and equity in terms of body justice on stage. Absolutely. And I think, you know, any really amazing piece of art is meant to make you a little bit uncomfortable, to highlight the things that people don't say out loud, to highlight the polite discrimination of the things that we're all vaguely aware are happening, but maybe you're just not tuned into. Mm, totally. So in preparing this work with the the heft of the subject matter and all of the ongoing changes and little alterations that come with bringing a newer to the stage for the first time, like how does the preparation for that differ from you know, either bringing an old classic to the stage or even just revitalizing an old classic, both as a, a directive team and as a performer? Well, I mean, I, I think as singers, no matter what piece that we're doing, you know, that old saying, you know, tears on the stage dry in the house, meaning that if you are connecting with your character in a way that is really deeply and personally emotional, that triggers, you know, uh, your nervous system, essentially, you're not going to be able to sing, your throat is going to lock up. And that's true with every piece that we do, we have to do the character work beforehand in the process, but we have to figure out a way to communicate uh, where we can keep that low laryngeal position, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, this piece, even more so for me, has has personal of triggers in it, uh, has things that I have encountered in real life. And so my process, you know, I, one of the first things I said when we sat down for the workshop to everybody was like, I'm still figuring out how to sing this. I'm not sure yet how to do this. Uh, so I'm going to need space to figure that out. And uh, that has been kind of the process of doing the emotional work, allowing myself space to kind of work through that intensity, then um, uh, really lining all the, the vocal stuff up, marrying those two together. So yeah, it's been a brand new process for me that is different than standard rep for me, but it's been invaluable work. It's been, yeah, important. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to watch. We're so excited to, you know, see you bring the story and this character to life. Originating a role is very, very exciting. It's it's really tough work and we're we're so excited to to see it. And, you know, the fact that it opens up a very unique role to people who are not represented with real stories. And so that's just it's just also exciting. So please tell our audience where can we watch it? When can we watch it? How can we support? When can we buy tickets? Give us all the give us all the details. Well, the show is on sale now and you can buy tickets from our website, which is just victoryhallopera.org. You know, I think this is one that I mean, God willing, right? It's it's hard times right now for live theater, but you know, we are absolutely planning on doing this show in the theater. There may be five people there, but we are going to be there performing it if if, the, <laughs> if it is in any way humanly possible. So we want you to come. We definitely want you to come. And I think that, you know, these voices are voices that 
you want to hear live. I mean, you want to hear Troy Cook and Tracy Cox sing a love duet. You just, before you die, you want to hear that happen live, if you possibly can. If you possibly can't, then we are um, running a, a fundraising campaign currently to create a film. We didn't want to do a live stream of the show, but we wanted to do something that was slightly more of, a, of an artistic film product that used film for what film is good at. So um, it, it will involve some of the material from that, from that performance on the stage, so you will get an idea of, of what we did on stage. Um, but then there'll be a lot of new film material created for it in a sort of a B-roll kind of a way. So you'll see the characters out in the world in, in settings doing things, thinking things. We'll weave those two things together for a kind of a, a film a film version of Fat Pig. So we need to keep raising some money for that to happen. And we really want to make sure that happens for obvious reasons. And, and, and you know, because there's been so much interest in this, in this project internationally. And I, I just really want as many people as possible to, to hear this music, to hear Matt's music and to hear Tracy's voice. Mainly through Instagram, but also on our Facebook page, we are running a fundraising campaign and on Twitter. So check that out. Check us out at our Instagram, Victory Hall Opera, and you'll, or Tracy's Instagram, Sparkle Jams, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with, that you can click on a link there and donate. If you donate $20 or more to that campaign, you get a free ticket to the to see the film when it's released, which will be sometime in 2022. So you'll be the first ones to see it before anyone else does. And you also get to be uh, spending a little time with Tracy backstage on our opening night as she's preparing and thinking about what she's about to do. So that's like a really cool little backstage pass as well. That's awesome. I'm um, filming kind of a video diary throughout the rehearsal process to kind of share. Yeah, that that process. So that's that's part of what you get also uh, if you support the film project. That's perfect. Well, our audience is super into opera film. They're especially into new works. So, you know, for the price of a, a couple Starbucks coffee, you get the behind the scenes and you get to support new works. So that's great. We will link all of that in our episode description. We'll be sure to share that on our platform as well. So definitely consider giving to this new work and supporting all of these artists and bringing a really incredible story to life. Thank you all so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have some familiar faces back and it was such it was so nice to meet you, Matt, and hear about, you know, the journey to bring a new work to tell a new type of story to, you know, open up some doors. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you both. Awesome. Well, I am just like so hyped about this production. I can't wait to see the digital version, what they end up doing with the pre-recorded and soon to be recorded footage. It's just, I'm so excited. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode. If you want to connect, you can chat with us on Instagram, on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all the good places. And if you're wanting to get to know us a little better, chat with us on Discord. We're always uh, down for some little Q&A and just sharing memes. So join us over there and we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.